Hi, family, and welcome to midweek service at Woodland Church. Thank you so much for joining us online tonight. Well, there's a lot of activity going on outside. We've got students, high school students, that are gathered around the bonfire, and they're having a cookout this evening and a special service there. Everybody's social distancing. We have a, another service going on for children tonight. They're building birdhouses and something that they've got going on under another big tent. And then believe it or not, there's a group of adults that are exercising in one of the parking lots, and um, they're, um, they're quite interesting to watch. They're beating balls and with drumsticks and just having a good time out there. But this is my favorite service of the week, where we just go through the Bible on Wednesday nights, and uh, tonight we're very blessed to have with us Keith O'Connor again. Keith is a fine young preacher. He's a, I say young, you're not as young as you used to be, are you, buddy? He's a retired police officer now, but when you're my age, he's really young. So um, I'm really proud of Keith and the contributions that he makes here at church with us as well. But tonight, before Keith comes to preach, I'd like to pray for us. I'd also like to thank you in advance for your faithfulness, for your tithes and your offerings, also with your missions gifts. But uh, just another word, as you know, uh, especially if you go to Woodland, we're really trying to up and amp up our ability to live stream, uh, not only here from the church, but to our website and in different parts of the building as we get ready to come to wintertime and we're no longer to able to meet outside and worship. And Pastor Mark and his team have come up with a really good plan for how we're going to be able to do that. And so if you could contribute to that as well, that would be a real big help for us in accomplishing this dream. But right now, I'd like us to pray, and if you have a special prayer request, please be sure and send it to us at office at woodland.church, uh, Saturday nights at 6 o'clock. My wife and I lead a Saturday evening prayer service. You can join us here on Facebook Live. So join me in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing love and amazing grace to us in Christ. Thank you for everything that you have accomplished for us. In Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, you have overcome the evil one. You have washed away our sins, and you have given us new life, and you have sent your Holy Spirit not only to live within us, but to baptize us in your Holy Spirit so that we could live and witness in power. Tonight, Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for a revival across our country, Lord, in the pulpits and in the congregations. We pray that you will bring Christians, as we've been looking at on Sunday mornings, to our knees in prayer as we seek you. Lord, as we seek you for our nation, as we seek you for the healing of our land, but as we seek you for revival in our churches as well. Lord, I pray for our nation's politicians and our politics, Lord. Our politics right now at a national level are so sick and so divided and so divisive. We pray, Lord, for a surge of a Holy Spirit revival, a, a Bible-centered revival here in America today. Lord, that you will expose the deeds of darkness and pull them down, and that, Father, righteousness will be exalted and loved across our land once again. Lord, we come against the evil that is just being vomited out from hell through shows like this one that is glorifying child pornography, as, as one woman told me today, Lord. Father, we pray for revival in America. And I ask you, Lord, not to judge this nation according to its sins, but Lord, to bring us to our knees in prayer and send revival and save America. You've done it in the past. 
We're asking you to do it again. I pray this in the precious and the holy name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, just before Keith comes, I hope you'll make plans to join us on Sunday morning. I'll be speaking on the, my message title is What If? So I want you to join with me on Sunday morning for that. Be sure you get your elements together uh, for communion because we'll be taking communion together as well. So right now, let's get ready to hear a wonderful message on worship from Keith O'Connor. Keith? Thank you, Pastor. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It's great to be back here tonight with everybody. And tonight, I want to explore worship with you. There's many different aspects of worship. And so I want you to think right now while you're sitting there. I want you to just kind of think, and what do you think of when you hear the word worship? What is worship to you? I can tell you that I used to think that worship was about me and how I felt, and what I could get out of it. But then something happened. I began taking my worship of God seriously. I began reading his word, and I realized that it's not about me at all. It wasn't about me getting something out of my worship. It was about me giving everything to God. I love how J.I. Packer put it. He said, to worship God is to recognize his worth or worthiness, to look Godward, and to acknowledge in all appropriate ways the value of what we see. So to worship God is to know his worthiness of our worship, and he is worthy of it. When we go to Romans 12, 1 through 2, we read, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So here we see Paul describing what true Christian worship is. Paul's saying that when we are transformed through Jesus Christ, we begin to cherish less what the world values, and we begin to honor more what matters to Christ. And the one way that we can do this, and the one way that we can show this, is in our worship. One of the things that we see consistently in God's Word is that worship is focusing on God. Our worship should be God-centered worship. Our focus should be on God, completely. Our focus shouldn't be on whether or not we like the song that we're singing or what other people in the congregation are wearing or what they're doing or even that that guy behind me has a horrible voice, which I'm a drummer, so if I'm singing and you're behind me, then I'm probably the one that you're saying that to because I have a bad voice. (laughs) So many times we let our mind wander 
And then sometimes we forget why we're at church. And that we get the honor and privilege to worship our Lord and Savior. So we need to stay focused as we worship the Lord. As I said, I love playing the drums and I play on the praise team. And the other thing that I love is that I love to be on the praise team with my wife and my son. And for those of you who know my son, uh, Daniel, he's usually the guitar player. And so when my son was asked to be on the praise team, being 18 years old, 17, 18 years old, I sat him aside and I explained to him that being on the praise team is not about him. It's not his ability to play an instrument. I tried to tell him that our focus should solely be on God as the Holy Spirit uses us to lead everybody in praise and worship of God as we magnify Jesus Christ. And so I also told him, because we do this because it was God who gave him that musical ability. And so his focus should be on him. And he should be thanking him for the talent that he does have. In Revelation 4.8, we read of the four creatures who are around the throne, and they worship God day and night. And they sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, always was, who is, and is who still is to come. What an awesome response of adoration to our Creator. Can you imagine singing every day, Holy, holy, holy Lord God, the Almighty One. And then when we go to verse 11 of Revelation 4, we read that the 24 elders who fall down and worship the one seated at the throne, they lay down their crowns before the throne, and they say, You are worthy, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. So here we see that God is worthy. He's holy and he's worthy. And he's worthy to receive all glory and honor and praise. I love these pictures of worship that we see in, a lot of times in Revelation. And their complete focus is on God, who is the creator of everything. And so the more that we focus completely on God, the more that we will know his infinite worth. And then the more that we focus on God, the more he reveals himself to us. Secondly, we see that worship is responding to God. Worship should be our response to God. Because it's us that's responding to a good, gracious, merciful, loving, and kind God. Knowing that we don't deserve all that he gives us, but we can praise him knowing that he is a faithful, merciful God who stays true to all of his promises, that through our worship of him, he works through and in us. I remember reading a quote from A.W. Tozer, who's a great, who was a great pastor and author. And so he once said, What comes into our minds when we think about God 
is the most important thing about us. I want to say that again, and I want you to listen to it and hear what he said. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I completely agree with this statement because our thoughts and what we think about God on a daily basis, not just on Sundays or Wednesdays, but every single day shows our response to God. And it shows how we worship Him. And I know that the greater that our thoughts are about Him, the more we will worship Him. And the greater our worship will be to Him. And so as we saw in Romans 12:1, it said, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Warren Worsby, who I love reading all of his books, and I read as many of his as I can, he wrote about this verse, Romans 12.1. He wrote that this means that every day is a worship experience. Every single day that we live, and we have breath, should be a worship experience when your body is yielded to the Lord. When we read in the Old Testament and under the Old Covenant, we know that God accepted animals as a sacrifice. But now, because of what Jesus did on the cross for our sins, the shedding of blood of animals is no longer acceptable to him. That was how they worshipped him back then. But it's because of the Christ shed blood on the cross for the remission of our sins that we can stand before God in righteousness of Christ. And it's because of the cross that we can give ourselves wholly and completely to the Lord. Amen. And so I want to talk a little bit about worship and there's several different examples of worship that we can do. And one of them is that worship can be done publicly. We call that corporate worship. And if you go to Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some of the people do but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Being together as a church family and worshiping the Lord together every single week may be the most single important thing that we do along with reading and studying the word of God and prayer. Gathering with fellow believers is very important in our lives because it's a place that we can come and we can seek prayer from others, and we can pray for others. We can seek encouragement and give encouragement to others. We can have fellowship as we take the Lord's Supper together and hear his word. It's very important for us as parents to bring our children to church. Worshiping the Lord together as a family 
helps all of us in our spiritual walk and our growing closer to the Lord. I remember as a kid, my parents always took my sister and I, my sisters and I to church. It was a priority in our family. And even when it seemed that it wasn't the most popular thing to do, because many of my friends' families didn't go to church and they weren't Sunday attenders of church, it was still very, very important to my family. And I'm very thankful for my parents for giving us that. And I always tell the story, and this is a very true story, how whenever we went on vacation, and a lot of times during the summers and stuff, we would go visit family in Pennsylvania. And we'd go to different other places while we were camping and stuff. And so the very first thing that we would do when we entered into the town or the place that we would be staying, my dad took the phone book and he looked around for a church in our area that we were at. And then he, we would drive by the church to make sure that they were going to be open on Sunday and to see what time the services would be. And I also like to tell a story because my mom and dad live a block away from the church I grew up in. You can just walk right down the street and you're right at the church. And I always used to joke around with them and say that, and this is true too, my dad would get there before the pastor and he would actually open up the church and make sure everything was right there. So church attendance was very important to my family growing up. And church attendance is also something that's very important to Christy and I. And we have decided as a family to make church a priority. And when I think of when I was a kid and going to church and even, you know, as I grew up going to church, it seems that sadly times are changing. And it seems that more and more people are putting sports or family gatherings, or other activities in front of church. And the majority of Americans no longer attend church on a weekly basis, with many going once a month, or twice, or once or twice a year. I don't know about you, but when I miss a week of church, I feel really bad in my soul. I feel like I'm missing something. And it's that fellowship and that reading of God's word and hearing of his word and worshiping him, and being able to come to his house and worship. And so as we read in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, God's word instructs us believers in Christ to be involved in the church and to fellowship with one another. And then he gives a reason why. He gives us two reasons. And the first one is to motivate one another. And the second reason is to encourage one another. So we need to continue to motivate each other and encourage each other and pray for each other. And when we read the book of Acts, we see that the early church believers gathered together. They motivated each other. They encouraged one another. They fellowshiped and they prayed with one another. They broke bread. And it even says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We can learn a lot from the early believers and the early church fathers. I like to think of church as kind of like a refueling place where we come and we get fed with the word of God. And then when we leave the church building, we're all filled up and we're ready to go to go spread the gospel message. So I urge you, we need 
to keep our tank, our tank filled and not run on empty at all. So we shouldn't get ourselves too busy and forget to gather together to refuel. And so there's also a couple other ways that I like to talk about that we can worship the Lord as a church family. And the first one is singing. As I told you, I'm a drummer, so I don't sing too well. I'm not Joe English. So uh, in Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God and a thankful heart. Our singing and our praising God is not just being a warm-up act for the sermon. It's not just to be a filler so that pastor doesn't have to preach too long. Our singing and our praising of God goes hand-in-hand with the sermon. And that's why Paul put these two together here in Colossians 3.16. And so that brings me to my next point, listening to sermons. The church is where believers in Christ can gather together and where we're taught God's word so that we can grow in Christ. So it's very important while you're listening to the sermon to take notes during the sermon. I'm a really big note person. I write notes on a lot of stuff. And if I hear something, especially if it's from a pastor or some type of sermon or teaching, I hurry up and grab one of my Bibles and I'll open it up to whatever chapter or verse they're talking about and I'll write notes on it. And so there's many times we have the notes that we have here with the papers that are given. We can write on those. It's very important to do that. Or you can follow along on the Woodland app and you can write notes there. I do that. Or like I said, you can even write notes in your Bible so that the next time you go to a particular scripture, you can remember that sermon that you heard and you can understand that scripture better. Another thing of worship here at church is lifting our hands in worship. Have you ever thought to yourself, why do we do that? See, I was raised in a church where we didn't raise our hands in worship. So it took me a little while to understand why this is done. And so I know that many people, like myself, may feel uncomfortable raising your hands in worship. But I want you to remember what I said earlier. Our worship is not about us. It's about God. And it's about giving thanks and praise to our Lord and Savior. And so when we look at the Word of God, we read in Psalm 47.1, it says, Come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with a joyful praise. And so when you're clapping your hands and you're shouting to God with a joyful praise, don't worry about what time you're clapping at or what note you're singing at. Just do it with joyful praise. Also in 1 Timothy 2.8 we read, In every place I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. If you look up lifting up holy hands, we see that that was a common practice in the Old Testament. 
And I'll just give you a couple verses that uh, talks about lifting up the holy hands in the Old Testament. In Exodus 9, if you go and refer to that later, you can see that Moses told Pharaoh that when he went out of the city, he would stretch out his hands to the Lord. And Moses knew that God was faithful. And so Moses knew that when he did that, when he stretched his hands out to the Lord, that the thunder would cease and there would be no more hail. And this was when the Lord was dealing with Pharaoh and was sending the plagues upon the land. We also see in 1 Kings 8, during Solomon's prayer of dedication, when Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of Israel and he spread out his hands towards heaven. And this is where Solomon began to pour out his heart to God lifting his hands and pouring his heart out to God. We can do that too. We can lift our hands to the Lord in worship and pour our hearts out to him. Lifting our hands in worship is showing that we are surrendering all to the Lord and that we are in complete awe in his presence and that we're ready to receive his word. In Psalm 28, too, we also see David crying out to God and praising him because the Lord heard him and answered his prayers. David said here, Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry out to you for help, when I lift my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. David's prayer was a cry out to God. And like we see many times in the Old Testament, David was set in a traditional posture of prayer with his hands lifted high. So there's nothing wrong with lifting your hands in praise and adoration to the Lord as you worship and exalt him. And then aside from our church worship, we also can worship privately. And this is our personal worship, which is very important. We can do Bible studies and devotions daily. I urge you to, if you don't do Bible devotions or Bible studies daily, I urge you to do that. But I want you to think about this. How do you spend your time with the Lord when you're alone? When we're reading our Bible, we have to have that complete focus on Him. And in 2 Timothy 3.16 It tells us that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So when we're spending time with God in our alone time, reading God's word and studying the Bible, which is what Bible study and devotions are, we're immersing ourselves in God's word and we're learning more about him the more that we read and study his word. Another thing is meditating on God's word and quiet time with the Lord. It's very important that we have quiet time with the Lord. This includes reading and studying his word and meditating on it, going back, not reading it quickly, um, just meditating on the word and what he's speaking to you. And so when we do this, it's very important for us to keep our focus on the Lord, 
keep our focus on the Lord as we're spending time with him. In Psalm 119.15 we read, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. When we take time and we read and meditate on God's word, we then start beginning to develop a lifelong habit of hiding God's word in our heart so that we won't sin against the Lord, as verse 11 says. Now, I know that we all have different schedules. Some of us are morning people, some of us are afternoon people, and some of us are evening people. So when we're doing this, the important thing is, if you're an evening person, don't think that you're a morning person because you'll fail completely. So the important thing is here is to be able to set that time when you know that you will be alone and you'll be able to completely focus and fix your eyes on God's ways and tune out any distraction and focus on Jesus when we have our quiet time with him. And so once our focus is on Jesus and we find out what the best time for us to be with the Lord is, it will cause our hearts to worship him. Another thing is praying. I think that prayer goes hand in hand with worship. Have you ever been so deep in prayer and just began to worship? I have. Just you, you're just praying and praying. And then you begin to worship the Lord. And prayer is our communication with God. And when I talk to my children about that, about prayer, I tell them that prayer is like talking to God. Prayer is a way that we, as passionate followers of Christ, can communicate our emotions, our desires, and it's a way that we can have fellowship with God. In the book of Acts, we see the early church praying together. They did that a lot. And they worshiped together. So prayer and worship goes together in the book of Acts a lot. And prayer should play a key role in our worship. Look all throughout the Psalms. If you look in the Psalms, Psalms are prayers and worship songs sung to the Lord. We see that they're worship songs sung in good times, and we see them in bad times. I mean, look at all of the books that are available now on how to pray the Psalms or singing the Psalms. Or while I was writing this, I saw a title, a Christian article, that said seven reasons why you should pray the Psalms. That's why if you do one year through the Bible uh, stuff, they always throw the Psalms in there. You read through the Psalms a couple times. It's very important. And then the book of Psalms is not only the longest book in the Bible. It has 150 Psalms. But it also deals with the psalmist's worship. And we can relate to the psalms because it deals with the deepest human emotions. And when you're reading the psalms, you will see that they reflect on pretty much every human experience and emotion. It's a wonderful collection of prayers, poems, and hymns that focuses on the psalmist's worship, praise, and adoration. 
Psalms are prayers and songs that would be used in worship services. When the people of God would gather together, and we can do this too. If you listen to a lot of the old classic hymns, a lot of the psalms are in there. Even some of the praise and worship songs that we do here, if you're reading through the psalms, there's several times when I've stopped and I've th- I know that song. That's in one of these songs. And so we can do that too. We can worship the Lord through these psalms no matter what's going on in our lives, whether in good times or in bad times. We know that the Lord will hear us. And one of my favorite psalms, because I'm a drummer, is Psalm 155, where it says, Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud, clanging cymbals. And to that I say amen. Another way is giving tithes in time. Giving is an act of worship, whether it's giving of our tithes and offering or giving of our time. In Malachi 3, 8 through 10, we read that God was telling the Israelites that they were robbing him. And in shock, the Israelites asked the Lord, how are we robbing you? Can you imagine this conversation? The Israelites were probably thinking to themselves, how can a man rob God? I mean, if you think about it, how could somebody possibly steal from God? But the Lord made it clear to them that they were robbing him by withholding their tithes and offering. But the Lord made a promise to them. If they would give, he would pour out his blessings on them. So whether it's in our tithes and our offerings or giving of our time and our talents, do it for the Lord and do it without being grudgingly. Our giving should be from the heart and it should be viewed as a part of worship to the Lord. It shouldn't be just something that we just mark off as a list of things to do. As 2 Corinthians 9 says, God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And so I want to quickly leave you with two thoughts about worship. The first thing is worship the Lord even when you don't feel like it. In Psalm 42 and 3, David wrote, He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. In the beginning of this psalm, we clearly see that David has no worshipful feelings. He actually felt like he was in the pit of despair. But as he went on, we see that God lifted him up from that pit of despair and gave him a new song to sing. Finally, I want to say that we can worship the Lord with everything that we have and all that we are. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of the Lord. Worship is not just coming to church and lifting our hands or our voices to the Lord. It's the way we live our lives daily. When I was coming here to church, I was listening to a song called The Heart of Worship. And it says, I'm going back to the heart of worship because it's all about Jesus. And at the end, he says, I'll give you more than a song. Because true worship is living our daily lives in a way that pleases God. Through the way we live our lives to the words that we speak. Authentic worship is offered to God with clean hands and a pure heart. Thank you.
Thank you, Keith, so much. If you want to listen to this message again, and I would encourage you to do so, you can go to our app, which is um, our Woodland Church app. You can get on the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. It's a beautiful app. Our staff has done such a great job with the app, and I'm very, very proud of it. Also, you can go right to our website, which is woodland.church, and you can listen online. Let me encourage you, share the message that Keith has preached tonight. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family members. And you can also tell them that all of the notes, and I'm just going to real quickly, just to show you how easy it's done, all the notes are right here online that you can follow along, fill in the blanks, the verses, and um, we'd encourage you to do that. You can even watch it online or on the app if you'd like to. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. I want us to pray. Let me encourage you to do exactly what Keith has encouraged you to do. Start your day with worship, even if you're not a morning person. You know, there are some of us that we, we wake up wired in the morning. We're ready to go. Then there are some, like my bride, her best time of the day is in the evening when she's at her most creative so whatever it is, start the day with worship and close the day in worship as well. So why don't you join me in prayer right now? Our Heavenly Father, we love you. Oh God, we declare our love for you. We declare our love not just with our words, but Father, by the way we worship you and how we live. I pray, give us clean hands and pure hearts and that our souls, that Lord, our time, treasure, and talents will never be lifted up to another, but they will always be used in service of you. Now, Father, I'm sure there are also folks that are listening tonight that maybe they've hit a dry place in their worship. Maybe they've hit a dry spell. I pray that as they read your Psalms out loud, as they pray them back to you, God, that you would refresh them and renew them. And Lord, for those that are sick this evening and need a touch in their bodies, Father, just a few moments ago, I was able to pray with some people who need healing in their bodies. I thank you that what you said to a man when he said, Lord, if you're willing, I know you can heal me. You're not only willing, but you are able. And so I pray you will touch and heal tonight. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us for our midweek service. Good night.